Poor BZ. You will be missed, soldier. R2 is right. Colonel, would you say something to honor this heroic sacrifice? I suppose that's appropriate. I'll have to make it quick because we don't have much time. When this D-Squad started our mission, I had doubts. Grave doubts that we would ever survive, let alone succeed. But we worked together. We didn't give up hope. We showed courage in the face of death. It shocks me to say this, but we make an excellent team. Now we've lost one of our members, BZ. But we must remember, BZ sacrificed himself for us. That's what a good soldier does sometimes. The only way to honor that sacrifice is to stop this ship and prevent the Separatists from taking any more Republic lives. Are you with me? It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Bucho and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, Colonel Gascon and the droids find themselves aboard a Republic cruiser full of Separatist battle droids and explosives. Their destination, the Republic Strategy Conference at Valor. Will our heroes be able to thwart this dastardly plot? Hey, Chips, it's your old buddy Bucho, Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the Gascon to my whack. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello, everyone. And we're going to talk about the 100th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, the 101st by release order, and it's written by Brent Friedman, directed by Bosco Ng, and it's Season 5, Episode 13, Point of No Return. So, Robbie, let's roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about Point of No Return before you rewatched it again this week. Yeah, I didn't remember all the details for this one, except for I did remember that there was a Republic Venator-class ship loaded up with that same explosive material that poor Gregor blew up, you know, to let our uh, our droid heroes escape. So, sitting there trying to remember exactly what happened and, and exactly how things went down, but I did remember enjoying this episode, and, and you know what? I did enjoy this episode, so I guess uh, what I remembered uh, worked out this time. And the episode kind of starts out with Gascon and the droids being very confused and they weren't the only ones, Robbie, because I was having a little bit of trouble kind of getting a grip on what was happening at first as well. But as best as I can understand, in the previous episode, Separatists were loading up this captured Republic cruiser with Rhydonium to turn it into a massive bomb. And then our heroes, along with Gregor, threw a Hydra spanner in the works of that Separatist operation, disrupting the ground-based side of the operation badly enough that the Separatists were forced to launch their mission early, I guess. So early in this episode, our heroes go along for that ride. And something that bumped me a little bit here was that even though Gascon is given every reason to believe that this is the case, Gascon is somehow in denial about it, claiming that his mission is over because dealing with separatist piracy or massive titanic scale bombs is not his business, right? Those aren't his orders. So his order is to evacuate the ship. And again, it seems for the third time in a row, that Gascon has already forgotten the lesson he's learned in each of the previous three episodes, which is that these astromech droids know what's up. So if this arc has taught us anything, Robbie, it's that while old Colonel Gascon isn't a total lost cause, I mean, he's proven to be courageous. He's proven that he can come around to respecting the droids. He does seem like kind of a slow learner. Yeah, it's like uh, 
are you not seeing the big picture here, man? Because uh, yeah. this can be dangerous to the whole effort. But there's plenty of those people in the world, right? I mean, we, we've met them. You know that people are just like, hey, this is a problem. And they're like, eh, it's not my uh, area of expertise, so uh doesn't affect me. And it's like, well, it kind of affects the big picture, doesn't it? So it's one of those things that uh, he's a little frustrating in that respect, right? Sure. And what makes it double frustrating is that you've already prove to him on at least three separate occasions that you deserve to be trusted and that you know what you're doing. And when I say you, obviously I'm talking about R2 and the mix, right? Right. And so it's like that boss who will never trust you, even though you have proven time and time again that you actually get what's going on even a little bit better than they do. So yeah, frustrating is definitely the word for it. But worse than frustrating, Robbie, a swarm of buzz droids. How did you like those creepy, creepy buzz droids? They reminded me of the dozens of spider assassin droids on the Voyage of Temptation episode, but there were more of them, and if anything, they were maybe even more creepy. Yeah, I mean, this was very effective. I mean, I've always liked the buzz droids. I thought they were kind of neat in episode three when they were kind of introduced. Yeah. I kept thinking as R2 was kind of trying to chase him and fight him, I was like, I was like, hit the droid center eye, R2. But he doesn't know that yet. (laughs) He doesn't know that yet. So this is, uh, I mean, it was just kind of fun to experience this, trying to deal with these things for the first time. But yeah, man, I really like the design of them. I always have. I'm not really sure why, because it, it seems to me like, no, look, this is just a design thing. I like the idea of them being in a ball and then splitting open and then they kind of whatever. But it almost seems like that is a purpose specifically for them being, you know, like attached to like a missile or something like that, like they use in episode three. Seems like in this case, they wouldn't need that shell. I don't know. Or maybe it's literally sort of a protection, like almost like a shield. But I think more than anything, the reason that they're designed that way for this purpose is to remind us of episode three and to remind us that they are very, very, very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, we talked in one of the Onderon episodes about bowling, right? We talk, we had 10-pin bowling and we had bowls bowling. Bull. Yeah. And so you'd think a good way to attack with these buzz droids would be just to roll them, you know, at the enemy and then they pop out. I don't know. Maybe there's a place to go there, but that swarm attack from those buzz droids, of course, leads to R2 going into flamethrower mode. I mean, speaking of episode three, this was similar to what he did in the hangar bay in Revenge of the Sith, but that's not enough to stop the onslaught. So BZ, good old BZ, sacrifices himself to save his droid buddies and Colonel Gascon. BZ flies out of that airlock and into hyperspace with all of those dastardly buzz droids, and that leads to the Colonel giving a heartfelt and heroic speech by way of eulogy for BZ, and I thought this was a really nicely written and nicely delivered speech, Robbie. Yeah, it was almost exactly the opposite of what I thought he would give Well, I mean, it fits his character, for sure. But it almost felt like he's one of those guys where he's sort of inspiring and sort of, you know, you're like, man, this this guy's okay. But then he does stuff where he goes, eh, this isn't my problem. Let's just get off this ship. It's just so weird. He's such a strange character. But I did enjoy the speech and even the sort of rousing, you know, score behind him, you know. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I I did enjoy all that. But man, poor BZ, you know. And that that is one of the uh, the moments that I did remember, one of the glimpses, I guess you know what I mean, the flashes that I remembered about the episode is BZ being launched out into space with all those buzz droids. Yeah, I think the thing about Gascon, if I had to sum him up as a character, is that he does exhibit courage multiple times in this storyline, you know, this four-episode storyline, and he does exhibit the capacity to respect the droids and to listen to what the droids are saying, but it's almost like he loses 
perspective constantly. He keeps focusing on the wrong thing. So his problem isn't necessarily that he's a bad guy, but it's that he focuses too much on the wrong things. And so we get these moments, I think at least one in each episode, where these things happen that force him to step back and get some perspective. And so when he's making that speech, it's almost like one of those moments when he snaps out of whatever he was focusing on and remembers, you know, he's back to the respecting the droid thing. So I think if I have to describe Gascon as a character, that's pretty much it. And of course, our heroes still have to stop the Separatist mission from succeeding. Even after they deal with these buzz droids, you know, that's just a defensive action. They still have to stop the Separatists. And so we get R2 dancing with the super tactical droid commander while Gascon and the others distract the battle droids. And... R2 has a lot of trouble with that tactical droid commander, as you might expect. I mean, R2 is super capable, but he doesn't have arms or legs. He's just got his rockets. And (laughs) Gascon sees this. Speaking of Gascon being heroic, Gascon sees this and declares they have to go back for R2. Again, flipping back to that thing where he gets perspective and he becomes selfless and courageous and they will leave no one behind. Yet another demonstration of Gascon's courage. But what I loved about it is that Atu eventually, I mean, I didn't actually note this down, but I think if I remember it rightly, doesn't Atu actually headbutt the super tactical droid to take him oh, down? Yeah. Well, he's kind of doing that the whole time. Basically rams him, right? Yeah, anytime he's getting in a fight, he's just ramming him. Yeah. Which I loved and it's a way of him sort of using those rockets as a weapon yeah you know and it's just kind of fun to see him do that because uh, it's not something we've ever seen before i mean we've seen him bump into things and kind of aggressively bump into things before you know but not like this so it was a it was a lot of fun to see r2 in almost an offensive kind of way which like i said it was just a neat thing to see yeah and he's using those rockets throughout the episode kind of from just before the bull droids kick off he does a lot of rocketing chasing that first bull droid and it calls back to the first episode of the arc when he was fitted with rockets and was told, you know, these are extra special rockets. You know, you've already got rockets, but these ones last for longer. And I can't remember the exact line that the crazy, you know, German R1 scientist told him, but something like that, right? Yeah. And so here he's using those rockets to full effect. And maybe we just want to skip back a bit here and remember that they save this, I call them bunny droids. I don't know what their real name is, but <laughs> they save this bunny droid and they find this group of kind of refugee droids. And there's that scene where that Treadwell droid is bumping into the, I guess, the lower part of the bulkhead of the cruiser. And I'd, I've never noticed whether these status droids have these lower parts of the bulkheads kind of blocked off like this, you know, like Navy ships do in, in, in our world. But I just thought that was a fun little moment. And also a fun little moment, Robbie, Tarkin is there on the Karita Space Station. It's nice to see Tarkin again. Yeah, there's so many cool little moments like that. I mean, the way that I guess we should just call her Bunny since that's what she identifies herself as. But uh, she's like very, very, <laughs> she's insistent on trying to get the Treadwell droid out of there. Yeah. And when the Treadwell droid gets taken out, it's like she still doesn't want to. Yeah. It was weird. It was it was a very, uh, I don't know, it was a, it was a little sad, you know? It's kind of, I don't know, it was, just, it was interesting to see these droids sort of, I mean, they really have an attachment to each other. And I think that Bunny Droid is the first time we've seen one of those since the Blue Shadow Virus storyline, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's the first one we've had one that feels like it might be a bit of a character, and so I'm used to thinking of those little guys as being a little bit devious, and it's nice to see one that isn't, you know? It's nice to see a Bunny Droid being a goodie. And speaking of goodies, Robbie, R2 finally overcomes the super tactical droid, of course, and he sets that bomb off early. And man, that was an explosion, right, Robbie? Did you love this explosion? Because that was maybe the most violent explosion ever shown in Star Wars, as far as I can think. Not as necessarily as big 
as any of the you know 17 Death Star explosions we've seen or the planets exploding but in terms of a Star Wars story on the screen showing us an explosion this is the scariest one I've ever seen just in terms of the way it feels it just feels so violent and it seems to go on forever with the debris and the shrapnel just causing untold secondary damage and you'd have to think that there's no way that anyone or anything that was on that cruiser when it exploded could have survived could it Robbie? Uh, yeah, that's one. <laughs> yeah, that's well. Number one, number one. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise. That's my shot of the episode because, oh my gosh, it was so. There's so much going on there. The colors of the, you know, I guess it's the sort of the reflection of the different chemicals in there, just kind of the the way that it refracts the light and all that kind of stuff. And then, as you said, the way that the debris was hitting the station was so... It's one of those things that I've always wondered about. It's like, you know, we don't have enough of that where, you know, the explosion, the shockwave... And then the debris, you have to deal with all of those things. So it was interesting to see it from that point of view and how dangerous that was and how <laughs> how scary it was. I mean, it was actually, you know, scary. It was like, oh my gosh, I hope a, you know, a big enough piece doesn't hit that. You start flinching, right? Oh yeah. When they're on the bridge, Anakin's there on the bridge and those pieces are smashing into the window. You're flinching along with them. It feels so violent. The sound design is awesome and the animation of it is just so awesome. Oh yeah, the sound was great in that segment. Even that, it's almost before the big explosion, there's like a, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just like, wow, it was cool. I mean, and of course, you know, with the surround sound, oh my gosh, it sounded awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's like, that's my big takeaway though, is like, look, I love R2 and I don't want R2 to get hurt, but how the heck did he survive that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you can survive that, it's kind of one of those things where it's, it just, that's my only real issue with the episode is that it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, he should have been completely destroyed. Well, I don't think that we know about R2's origin story, do we? Are there any comics about R2 getting built in the same way that we do know in canon about 3PO getting built? Because what if R2 was built, Robbie? You're sitting down, which is good because I'm about to blow your mind. What if R2 was built by Mandalorians out of Beskar? What if R2 <laughs> is that Beskar astromech droid? And then he ends up being one of the Naboo droids in episode one? Well, yeah, I mean, this is a little droid that's traveled and he's had a lot of masters, you know? I mean, he ends up uh, on Tatooine at some point, you know? He's had a lot of masters in this time. These droids change hands, you know? I mean, you never know, I guess. But still, it's a little out of the ordinary (laughs) for a droid to be able to... I mean, gosh, that explosion was insane. Yeah, it's an interesting storytelling challenge because we know he's going to survive. Everyone who's watching the show knows that he's going to survive, but you've somehow got to create a scene in which it feels like he might actually be dead, you know? Or how badly is he going to be damaged, I guess, is the thing that we're wondering. When they find him, how badly is he going to be damaged? And he's not that badly damaged. I mean, I think he has like a panel missing or something, and, you know, they obviously have to put him back together. And when they do, that's when Gascon comes back in and gives another sort of nice speech you know and declares that he will be happy to serve with any of those droids anytime and that's when Wack declares that he is going to be assigned to does he say platoon or battalion i can't remember the exact phrase but Wack yeah. says we're going to be together until the end of the war and you know we get that classic oh that's great Wack, or something <laughs> from gascon and so just a fun ending to what has been overall generally a pretty fun arc robbie yeah it's Again, that first time through, for some reason, I just didn't connect with it. 
and I didn't like it. And I didn't really remember a whole lot about it because I just didn't like it. The second time through, yeah, it was it was much easier for me to just relax and let the storytelling do its job. And I think, yeah, I enjoyed it the last time and I enjoyed it this time too. Well, we already know that one of the things you enjoyed was your shot of the episode, which was the, the explosion. My standout shot of the episode also involves a lot of fire, but it's the shot from above of our heroic droids and Gascon surrounded by R2's ring of fire. I just That was a sweet shot showing the precarious situation they were in surrounded by evil buzz droids and also surrounded by R2's protective ring of fire and so before we bring this one up for a landing Robbie we need to sum up and give our ratings so after your third ever watch of Point of No Return Robbie how did you like it and where does Point of No Return sit on that four star Robbie scale? Well this one's tough because it's sort of like even though I don't feel like it's completely necessary for like a first watch through especially if you're trying to cut out some of the I guess you you could say some of the fat you know some of the episodes that don't fit in perfectly with the rest of the Clone Wars but you know what I'm gonna give it a three out of four I think this one's worth watching and uh yeah I really enjoyed it a lot this time and I mean anytime that you can have a battle droid tell another battle droid to lift with his legs (laughs) I mean I mean that's an important lesson that I think anybody can uh, can take away from this one yeah, I agree with you, Robbie, and I've got it at seven heroic astromech droids out of ten, which is my equivalent to a three out of four on the Robbie scale, and just a generally fun episode, an entertaining episode, pretty solidly told, and I've enjoyed this ride with Gascon, you know, as frustrating as he can be at times overall. I mean, whack as well, right? They can be frustrating, but generally entertaining and fun characters and that's mission accomplished the season 5 episode 13 point of no return so robbie won't you please let the troops out there know if they want to tell us how much they like point of no return or this droid what do we call this arc the astromech hero droid arc the gascon and whack arc if they want to tell us how much they like it what are our communications channels we are bucho and robbie at gmail twitter and instagram that's b-u-c-h-o-a-n-d-r-o-b-b-y Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 100th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 5, Episode 1. So we're skipping back to the first episode, the first release episode of the season. It's Revival. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie. And we salute M5BZ. And we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. The Force will be with you, always.